welcome back to the Super Plumber Brothers. My name is Anthony Cortez, and I'm joined with... This is Luke. And I'm Ben. And uh, yeah, we're on a mission to complete the new Switch title, Super Mario 3D All-Stars, which is basically has Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, Super Mario Galaxy. Uh, you'll get the full description in the intro. And so this week... But not Galaxy 2. <laughs> not Galaxy 2. And so this week, Bummer. we uh, are ha- should have, we should have finished Super Mario 64, which was... Uh, the the final levels are just just great just great um uh before we start <laughs> they're, they're nuts uh it, we're gonna our format is that i'm gonna share a bit of nintendo specifically mario history with you all this week i decided to catch anyone that's listening up to some of the stuff that we kind of skimmed over or glossed over as we uh, discuss Super Mario 64 history. So I decided to, to start back at the beginning of Super Mario. So Super Mario is originally, the, the character is originally from the game Donkey Kong, which was released in 1981, uh, where he was the main protagonist known as the plumber Jumpman. Miyamoto fought hard for him to be the already established character Popeye, uh, but that just didn't work out. This plumber tries to save his girlfriend and honestly, it wasn't a huge success in Japan as it was uh, an arcade game. American audiences really grafted onto this idea, making it one of the best-selling and most recognizable arcade games of the 80s. It was ported to 16 other platforms and, again, ported to different games as or different platforms as Nintendo started releasing new, newer and newer consoles. He then appears as the villain in Donkey Kong Jr. and where DK tries to save his father from Mario, who in the 1983 American commercial shows a captured ape and evil mustachioed Mario saying, I have got your father and I am trying to get to you too, Donkey Kong Jr. Mario would be dropped as Donkey Kong 3 came out and a new protagonist, Stanley the Bugman, would be introduced, who both Luigi and Mario are related to. Mario would then team up with his brother Luigi in Super Mario Brothers, for the NES in 1983. It would be named as such to rescue Princess Toadstool, who would then become Princess Peach. Side note, Peach is actually the name of Toadstool in Japan, but it wasn't until Super Mario 64 and where her name is changed to Peach. This game was essentially to set up the core of most of the gameplay and sounds that we take for granted in the Mario games. Fun fact, Mario, because he resembled the property uh, landlord of one of the producers uh, was named Mario Seagal, according to the book Game Over, Press Start Continue. The design, uh, according to Miyamoto, was imported, uh, or the, the design of Mario himself comes from Italian comics in which he read as a child. He was attracted to the nose and facial hair, which were exaggerated in the comics, and is extremely popular in Japan because it was so uncommon to see a Japanese man to have those features. Three years later, in 1985, Super Mario Brothers would be released for the Nintendo Home Council system. In this, Miyamoto and his team, including Koji Kondo, would in, who we discussed in our last episode, would expand on their first Mario Brothers game and create much of the base elements of the fuller universe that many can identify with Mario. In an NPR interview, Miyamoto, when asked why he made this game and why they were so popular, he says, I think that Mario became so popular because of the actions in the Mario games, there is something that are innate to humans everywhere. Everyone's afraid of falling from great heights. 
If there's a gap that you have to cross, everyone's going to try to run and jump that gap. These are things that are uniquely human and shared experience to all people. Mario would star in both Super Mario Brothers 2 in Japan, but also a version that was ported uh, to America, which was essentially a skin for the Japanese game Doki Doki Panic, where essentially the legend goes, according to the executive team, that basically American audience were too, was, <laughs> were too stupid to uh, play and solve the puzzles presented in the Super Mario, Super Mario 2 that was made for Japan. Long story short, Mario would then go on to star in Super Mario 3. He would go on to the Super Mario Land franchise uh, made for Game Boy and eventually star in the SNES game Super Mario World. In Super Mario World, it's basically, uh, according to the team, uh, how much they could polish on the original idea of the Super Mario platform jumpers. The story is similar as well as it follows Mario's quest to save Princess Toadstool and the Mushroom Kingdom, at that time named Dinosaur Land, which I didn't know. Uh, anyway, the game, though derivative, was a huge success and set up the SNES to be a huge success as well. Unlike the, SNES, the NES, the SNES decided not to make a sequel to Super Mario World, but instead to create a unique Mario-style RPG called Super Mario RPG The Legend of the Seven Stars, which is quite a mouthful, which also set the foundation of the Paper Mario series. The game director was, and I am going to mispronounce this, uh, Yoshihiko uh, Makawa, and the game's composer was Yoko Shimomura. According to Nintendo, they made this radical shift for Mario because Nintendo explained that Squaresoft's RPGs sold, sold extremely well in Japan, but not overseas. Basically, they used the character Mario to create a very successful uh, uh, JRPG or RPG market, uh, specifically for Americans. The RPG, Super Mario RPG was a success, um, and though not as popular as its predecessors, was succeeded. Uh, though it's not as popular as its predecessors, it's, it's considered now one of the greatest games of all time. Now this brings us up to speed with Super Mario 64, uh, whose history we've covered in the last two episodes. So let's dive into the levels, but after hearing some feedback from Luke and Ben. Yeah. Um, I, I love that you brought up Mario RPG because... Um, I think in many ways, you know, I talked about my history with Mario getting really into uh, into uh, Super Mario World is like the first platformer that I remember. I, I played Mario Bros. first, but Super Mario World is the one where I was like, oh, I love this. But um, I think the game that actually did get me really into Mario was um, was Super Mario RPG. Uh, and it's, it's kind of interesting to hear that it's like this attempted expansion of, of the... Uh, market for um, JRPGs is generally uh, they're they're colloquially called um, that sort of but that's turn-based strategy sort of oriented RPG. Um, so it's interesting to hear that that was kind of a marketing play. It was super effective though, and I think it highlights generally what Mario has done really well throughout the years is that. I think Mario and the world is uh, really great as just a conduit for creativity. 
So you think of like even just silly things like Mario tennis or, or Mario basketball or whatever, where they think like, all right, this is tennis and we kind of have these constraints, but this is also Mario. So let's do something kind of wild with it. And Super Mario RPG was that it was super off the wall. The game begins with a giant sword falling from the sky and crashing into Bowser's castle. And then Bowser, who's been your enemy up until this point, gets on your team and you can punch people as Bowser. It's great. Um, and you have this little toy that joins your team named Jeno, who was like my favorite character back when I played that game as a kid. So, um, yeah, but I think overall Mario can just go in so many different directions. And I think Mario is at its best when they sure they use the mushroom kingdom and they use these kind of staples that they have, but they really kind of take the wheels off and see like, what kind of strange things can we do with this character? What kind of strange places can we put them? Yeah, no, I really love, um, I love how, especially in the past, um, Nintendo was really, really willing to like sort of experiment with a lot of their really big hit properties, Mario in particular. Uh, now, Mario RPG is one that I actually never played. In fact, I wasn't aware that it existed until much, much, much later because, well, no one I knew ever had it. Uh, but I got pretty familiar with, you know, all the Mario games and I was surprised to learn uh, that, you know, Mario 2 in particular was not Mario 2 at all, was some random game called Doki Doki Panic that just had a bunch of skins slapped on top of it, uh, which is why Luigi is, you know, taller than Mario, uh, but a little slower and can jump higher, why Peach can float, why Toad is so diminutive, and I don't remember what else he can do, but, you know, it really established a lot of the 3D, you know, maneuvering canon for all of them, and it was totally just, you know, the characters were originally called Mother, Father, Brother, and Sister, they're just trying to escape this weird dream world. Right. <laughs> uh, they did eventually, Anthony, bring Mario 2 over to America um, uh, in the Super Mario All-Stars collection for the SNES. And it was called Mario The Lost Levels. And I was insulted when I heard, you know, well, those American kids, they, they're not good enough. They're not smart enough to play our Mario 2. And they, they were right. They were right. They were right. I've, never, I've never beat it. <laughs> ever my god that game is so hard right no, but, no i yeah. no i hear you and it, it's and it's, it's it's cool too that we're kind of playing that you know that we're playing super murder all-stars 2 in a sense um yeah and i i think what i liked uh when i was researching the history is i i, I actually i've played all the games now um that i mentioned besides donkey kong 3 um i don't think i'll play it but maybe i will anyway um I liked how the mistakes, specifically Super Mario 2, it's not really a mistake, but it's it's kind of, you know, an outlier in Super Mario RPG, which is like a marketing outlier, that they kind of added these unique facets in the Super Mario world. As you said, Ben, like Luigi, Peach, Toad, even Mario himself uh, wouldn't have the abilities they have in in these current 3d platforms if it hadn't been for that game you know and that right they wouldn't be distinct right and then we talked in the first episode that a lot of the sprites uh were built on super mario rpg for super mario 64 you know i mm -hmm. i feel that mario was having this logical progression in the mario rpg hits you know and it's, it's that time to kind of explore with environments of characters of narrative you know, where were, you know, these later super specific Super Mario 64. And of course, later Mario games would uh, draw from, you know, these these novel 
ideas in 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 the Mario franchise. So that was pretty cool. And then the last thought I had was um, Miyamoto's idea. He didn't talk about this, but I was thinking about Donkey Kong. This idea of ascension, you know, after Donkey the Donkey Kong games, there really isn't this idea of ascension. Um, there kind of isn't Super Mario Brothers, uh, but it kind of comes back really, really hard in Super Mario 64, this idea of being king of the hill and ascending like a mountain or, a, or uh, ascending a, a, a plane. And I, I actually really focused on that when I um, was thinking about uh, this week or this past week's gameplay. Um, so that, those are some thoughts I had about the history as well. You know, it's interesting to bring that up. I actually hadn't considered that, but you're absolutely right. Um, a lot of the levels are built around uh, vertical ascension to to get a lot of stars. And I mean, not even just in the early game when they're trying to demonstrate that, yes, you can go up and you can go left and you can go right and you can go any direction you want. Uh, but even in the later game, that's a huge part is the verticality. Right. And that really does. That's that's really quite a throwback mm -hmm. to the original design philosophy of, uh, of the Donkey Kong mm -hmm. games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, they, that's true. You're like climbing this this castle or this hill or this skyscraper or whatever. It's a it's sort of similar thing. Or this clock. Ah. Or this clock. <laughs> so this week, kind of how I described it, it tests the player and applies their skills to the game. Uh, no longer is it just this exploration of controls and environments. There are tests and dangers at like every single turn. There's risk and a high probability of dying. Um, in more of an application of controls and this idea of you're starting to master the game. Uh, I think this is especially true in TikTok Clock and Rainbow Road, where you have to take advantage of to the controls. And there's no there's a abs complete absence of hats, so you're kind of just there by yourself, you know, without any um, handicaps trying to conquer. Uh, each and every level. So the first uh, world you ought to uh, go to, which is just right in front of um, the second, the door in the second level of the game is wet, dry world. So for me, this is actually an amazing, amazing water level. We kind of bitched about the previous two water levels. I liked it so much because you can control the water. Uh, it didn't seem like a task or a chore that impacted mm -hmm. the gameplay. Uh, the puzzles were really challenging at times, uh, and the sprites were unique. It's the first time we kind of see uh, the Daddy Long Legs water uh, bug, and I don't know if it has a name. I didn't research it, but the pancake flipper that kind of, you know, <laughs> launches you yeah. uh, on... It looks It looks like a... I, I demand that it canonically looks like be a called dust a pancake pan. flipper. <laughs> it's a pancake flipper. Um, so I, I, and I just loved how it, it's out of all the levels so far, it's the most of playing inside of an abstract painting. Things are very blocky. You're, it's a very dreamlike. Um, and then of course it has that, uh, tube that, that has that secret, um, uh, town at the bottom. So I, I liked, I like playing through this level. It's a good introduction to, uh, a more challenging, mm -hmm. um, set of, of levels to come. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed this one as well. I think that it, um, a, a lot of what I've been saying about so many of the levels, when I think they're most effective is when they really facilitate uh, exploration and kind of 
uh, different paths through a space. Um, one thing that I thought was really funny is if you uh, if you hit that lowest water level, you hit the little diamond to get it. So basically, there's no water in the level. I was like, I'm going to try and wall jump up the, to the very top of this thing. <laughs> and I did. And then there's like one of those little invisibility platforms that just immediately like invisible, like it just teleported me back to the bottom. <laughs> as soon as I, I successfully wall jumped up this thing and then I like took a breather and it went, wow, wow. And I reappeared down at the bottom. I was like, ah, Miyamoto <laughs> again. But, um, yeah, so I, I, I like that. I like that you're encouraged to kind of swim around. Uh, the star where you have to race the water down was pretty difficult. That took me several tries to get that star. Um, yeah, I don't know that I have that much more to say about this one. I, th- I thought it was success- – I like that it's chill. It's not too hard because there's some really difficult ones coming later. It's still pretty exploration-focused, um, and it has a really unique gimmick to it that I think works really well. Yeah. Uh, so this one definitely now I think I've said before that I really didn't, I, I didn't own this game growing up. So most of my experience with it is from the kindness of strangers, um, by which I mean my friends. And, uh, so I didn't, I don't have a ton of experience with like the late game, uh, like starting the game to first Bowser, like I've got that down pat. I don't think I'll ever forget those levels. Second Bowser, little hazy, but you know, I can I can muddle through. I really don't know much about these later levels or I didn't until I played them. So this was sort of like coming in fresh with um, almost 20 years, like 25 years of gameplay design improvements, you know, piled on top of this game in my brain. And uh, this was actually, Wet Dry World was uh, a pretty fun introduction to advanced Mario 64 level design. Um, you could clearly see the seeds of uh, certain like later projects. Like, for instance, it's incredibly reminiscent of the main gimmick in the Water Temple in Ocarina of Time, raising and lowering the water level through environmental locations, uh, except Mario doesn't have to play an instrument, and it's much less frustrating. Uh, but even like the the water spiders were uh, like pretty clearly first passes at making the tektites from Zelda three dimensional, um, just like the general AI of a water creature that would not be too harassy but still be a challenge to to get around with. Um, and honestly, yeah, this was this was pretty fun. Uh, I I really I really had a good time going around. I. So I, I don't actually have a ton more to say about it. Uh, I just kind of enjoyed this one. It was it was not, I don't know. It wasn't uh, it wasn't streets ahead, as Pierce would say. <laughs> uh, no, it was it was a nice introduction to what they expect of you. It was compact, so it wasn't very. You didn't have to sprawl around and like try and find what you were supposed to do. It was a lot about execution. I really appreciate that as a platformer. Right, right. Shooting into the into the corridor to get down into the town was was very satisfying because you just rocket into the sky, and you just hope you aimed it roughly correctly, and you really don't know until you kind of reach that apex, and then you're like, okay, good, I'm right. Gonna and I think uh, being the introduction, as you're saying that, it it gives you because uh, because in these later levels, there's a lot more space, you know, so that it you it just feels like there's a lot more. Even in the later, later, later levels, 
you don't have move, room to move around, but it feels like you have a lot of room to move around. And this this one just takes that idea to a really high level, and I and I like that as well as we're talking about it. Um, I do have we. It is, if you'll forgive me, a high watermark. It is a high watermark. Oh. All right. Uh, the next one is tall, tall mountain. I think this is my favorite traditional. If you, if there isn't even a traditional Super Mario sixty four King of the Hill level. Um, this, there's so much room to fail, uh, that every time I, I ascended the mountain itself, I felt kind of this, uh, this twitch in my thumb that I needed to keep Mario steady. Um, I think the side jump is your biggest friend in this level. Um, so you have to side jump and sometimes pull out the wall jump in unexpected ways. And it's really about... Uh, like I'm saying, control of Mario as you're ascending this mountain and eventually making your way up to the monkeys, which are also frustrating. I knew that he was going to take my hat, but I had to hold him anyway. And I was like, just take my hat so I can do shit to you. So that 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 was really good. And it, it, it has all these like little facets to it as well. Obviously, the secret slide is great. It's just an expansion on um, uh, Cool Cool Mountain. And it's, it's tough. It's a tough slide to navigate, you know? Um, and also just that makes collecting the hundred star hundred coins even, even harder. So I think this one is definitely what I, I was saying is trying to apply your Super Mario 64 skills. And I, I appreciate it doing it here with a, you know, a, a more masterful, more thought out King of the Hill sort of Super Mario uh, level. So that's what I thought about it. Yeah, when I think back to this one, I'm I'm always feel like, oh, there's this level with these monkeys, and then you know playing it, I was like, actually, the monkeys aren't that important. I mean, they're there, but you don't do much with them. Um, but yeah, I the, the, I for some reason I just always associated with these monkeys uh, and just them kind of palling around and doing goofy things. But uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's very effective at being. Like uh, like you said, Anthony, a King of the Hill style level. I like that there's multiple ways up the mountain. Um, the star that you have to shoot out of the cannon to get feels very treacherous because you just have to shoot into like the sky and hope that you nailed it. Um, that one's very difficult. You know, funny thing about the slide is I I was trying to find the hundred coins. I'd gotten all of the stars. And uh, what I did to get that star that you're supposed to go down the slide is I just jumped off the side and then did Mario's air kick and like went into that little space on the side of the mountain. And that's how I got that star. I thought that's how you were supposed to get this star. So I was trying to figure out where are all these coins (laughs) because I had like 70 coins. And then by accident, I just happened to be fooling around on the side of the mountain. And then I like went into this rock painting and I was like, oh, there's a whole other thing in here. And then I, it, then I died, and I had to start over. But anyway, I, eventually <laughs> I did get all hundred coins. Uh, I think you fellas are lunatics, by the way, <laughs> for getting any of the hundred coin stars. Those are those are terrible. They're awful, terrible, bad, awful. <laughs> Some of them are really no, fun. No, sorry, I was Some of them sorry, are I was describing awful. myself. Some of them are really fun. <laughs> oh. No, I'm I'm terrible and bad and awful at this game. I just. Oh, no, it gets to be a challenge. I have found something out about it. It very much gets to be a challenge. And uh, I have found something about myself. I am not up to it. Controlling a rotund <laughs> Italian man through a fictional castle 
is just a responsibility that I I know now I can't handle. Maybe if you when he slaps on a right. <laughs> a, a water uh, jetpack, it, it'll be a little bit easier. Well, we'll find. So out. what do you? But I do plan. I do plan to drown him several times just to numb the pain. So I'm going to spend the first five or six hours of, of Super Mario <laughs> Sunshine just just killing Mario. You know, just just get on top of that mountain of feelings mm-hmm. as it starts. I actually really did like Tall Tall Mountain. Uh, like you said, Anthony, it's a great, great, great King of the Hill level for that reason of like when you get to the top, you're like, yeah, I fucking did it. Like it's hard. Those those platforming challenges are not easy. Find control on Mario is. It, I have a little beef with it because more often than not, when I fell to my death, I felt like it was because I wanted Mario to do something and he just didn't do it. He controlled in an odd way that I didn't expect him to, which is not great for a platformer, but for a first pass, hey, this game's still pretty good. Uh, the number of times though that, cause you know that the, I think I think it's the last star. You were saying how much you loved how, how Mario controlled in tight areas. Ah, yeah. So anyway, they never made a single mistake. So the the sixth star is the one, I, I think it's the sixth star on Tall Tall Mountain, is the one that's like behind that waterfall. Is that is that, on, is that right? I'm trying to remember. I don't know if it's the sixth, but... No, not, not the monkey cage. It's just, I might be confusing levels, but there's... He's talking about the one that that's behind the waterfall. Yeah, I know the one you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. The one that you have to press the button and then the little right, exactly. block shows I up. am so embarrassed for myself just how long it took me to figure out that I was supposed to hit that button first. I seriously must have spent two hours oh. just like trying to maneuver my way into that waterfall until like, yeah, I don't know. I just was like, to heck oh, with wow. this. And then I found that button and I was like, no, of course, this game is for children. Why would they make it that hard? I'm an idiot. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, Telltale Mountain. Uh, mm. Thumbs up. Still frustrated by some of the level design and some of the control, but that actually was a lot of fun to go through. Yeah, I think I forgot who mentioned it now, but I think that, uh, we're to the point in the game in this one where you start kind of have to trust in the physics and in the controls and the skills that you've learned up until that point. Um, I think uh, with the star and out. Uh, with um, navigating to the star where you have to jump inside the cannons. You have to go, you know, basically, quote unquote, beneath the mountain and uh, narrowly scoot on a ledge as the wind (laughs) kind of picks up and you already continually know that he's going to blow off. So you just have to trust that and you have to trust that you have mastered the cannon and that when you shoot into the star that everything's going to be all right. So it's... It, it's just i just love it i just love the fact that they're thinking about um more advanced gameplay uh with these levels and i just really appreciated how it just seemed like tall tall mountain is is when is where the fun begins the challenge begins let's say so it, it was cool to it's definitely yeah, I didn't even think about it that way, but you're right, Anthony. Like they they really want you to trust yourself. I find that sometimes with these types of really not just platformers, but any type of game that's like really precision oriented, is that when you get to the more difficult stuff, it's like you can't think about it too much or else you're gonna mess it up. Um but then there's the other problem where like 
this game, more so than other later Mario games, I think, really, it, it expects you to commit to a direction that you're jumping. If you're if you jump, that's the way you're going. <laughs> like you can you can slow down a little bit, but you know, I compare that with, you know, really all of the later Mario games, even starting with Sunshine, and, and they, they give you wiggle room to kinda maneuver around after you've jumped, but Mario sixty four not so much. Which I'll talk about more when we get into TikTok clock. <laughs> Snowman's Land. Snowman's Land. Oh, what okay. a fun reference to one of the most horrific wars in history. <laughs> that's funny. It's, I didn't think about that, but that's really, really funny. Um, so the this one is a departure from it. I don't know if it's supposed to logically go first, like before Tall Tall Mountain. So uh, Snowman's Land isn't like Tall Tall Mountain. Um of course, if you fall from a certain area, you'll go into some icy water or you'll just plow right into some snow. So this this level kind of seems safer than Tall Tall Mountain. It, it is like a King of the Hill sort of uh, level where Mario has to ascend a giant snowman, which is actually really, really just fun uh, and novel to, to stick a giant snowman in the middle of your level in general. This is the equivalent for me of uh, Lethal Lava Land and where you're fighting bullies, you're going around with the shell, you're, you know, you get into, instead of getting into the volcano, you get into the igloo. And so there's a lot of comparisons. I think it was meant to be the counterpart of that level. Um, I don't think it's as memorable as that level well you couldn't even remember the name so right i i and i feel that uh you know they tried to to do that but some of the stars are a little simpler to get than others you know they're not really puzzles i think they're beginning to understand what a truly like 3d maze looks like you know especially the the ice cube maze and trying to get the player to navigate it, but it's, you know, it takes like kind of three seconds. I mean, as a kid, I was like, if I just kind of randomly jump, I'll eventually get to the star. Right. Um, I think there's and, what, there's like four mm -hmm. moves that you have to make to get into it. And it's like right at the start, like it's not, it's not hard. Right. And kind of like, yeah. you intuitively know to jump on the penguin's head. That's, you know, you just like, oh, how do I get on here? I'm just going to jump on his head. So I guess the, be the best part of this level for me was the ice bully, which was hard. Um, and then just surfing around trying to get the eight coins. So that's those were the highlights for me on this level. Yeah, I, I have in my notes that it's not a very unique level or very memorable, but I actually, I think that that's needed in this part of the game because every level is such a bizarre like either fairly difficult or like has like a really specific gimmick to it um so i kind of like that they just have another level in this part of the game it's like this is just like a little playpen and you can just go around and play around with the mechanics and um i actually i, I agree about the maze though that little like ice cube maze right at the start where I, I wish they made it a little more involved because when I jumped into it, what I, I think what they were trying to do was a camera puzzle because you can only see the panels when you're facing them from a certain direction. 
so I think what they were trying to do is force you to change the camera angle. And there's actually, it's not camera based, but there's a puzzle very similar to that in Super Mario RPG where you can't really see and you're expected to kind of jump around this like internal cube maze just based on like where you can see that the camera will let you go. And that puzzle in Super Mario 64, it's on board a ghost ship, by the way, <laughs> is very cool. Um, but in this game, it's it's pretty easy. And I, I just wish that they maybe made it a little bit bigger because I think that the camera puzzle would have landed a little bit better had they done that. Um, I did like when you go in the igloo. I thought that that was the... I think that's the most fun use of the invisibility cap in the entire game. Um, it doesn't do that much. It's not horribly interesting, but it is very satisfying when you jump over that cube and you get the invisibility cap and then you can kind of freely run around in that space. Um, the red coin challenge I, uh, is strange because if you... As far as I can tell, if you miss jumping off one of those little spin head guys in the water, you can't get the shell, and then you can't complete the challenge. I mean, maybe you technically could, but it would be rather difficult. So, uh, yeah, I, I liked this level. I thought it's not terribly difficult, but I think it, I, I kind of like it for that reason. I like that it's just like another good sandbox Mario area for you to run around and get some stars and, and have some carefree fun before you get punished going to the levels shortly after this. Well, it's interesting that you say that, um, that this is like a nice little fun, small sandbox that's a little bit easy before it moves on to some harder stuff because uh, I wholeheartedly disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I, really, uh, I really don't actually like this level that much. One, it's not that memorable. In fact, I confused it with Cool Cool, cool Mountain. I thought they were the same level. Until I was playing Cool Cool Mountain, I was like, where's all that snowman stuff that I remember? Am I just like, is there a secret area that I'm missing? And then I went into it and I was like, oh, that's, you know what? It was a whole other level. That's exactly what it was. Then I played it for a little while and I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Ice physics are awful in this game. Like, really not too much fun for me. I already think Mario Control is just a little bit janky. And adding ice into it and... I just didn't like it. I don't like this level very much at all. Uh, I only did a couple of stars in this. I didn't spend a ton of time in it. I got the one where you climb the snowman because, of course, I got the one where you climb. That's the point of the level. You climb the snowman. I got the one in the maze because it was in the camera when I started the level. So I was like, I'll jump four times. Sure. <laughs> and then I beat the ice bully because I actually really like the bully fights. Those are some of my favorite things. Like my favorite use of the combat is the bully fights to get a star. I really like those. Uh, so I did that. And yeah, that one's tough. That one's pretty tough. Okay. No, before we move on, I, I, I want to just highlight your comment. Because um, I think the controls have a lot to do with friction. The, the controls that you're... Yeah, yeah. It's um, like friction and momentum. Mario builds up momentum really fast. And on ice, right. he is just like... He just sails. Like he just right. keeps going. So I think... Because they were thinking about friction, they're like, how can we make uh, the lack of friction even more challenging with the ice bully? And that's why I think that's the highlight of this level, because they're like, there's just almost, uh, you know, we're just going to, if if the bully hits you, you're going to fly to the edge of this tiny platform, okay. or you're going to get into this 
cold, hot. Yeah. It's icy hot. Right. Uh, I, I, I was. I, I did love that you said you compared this to uh, uh, the hot, hot lava level, and I was, I was thinking yeah. the exact same thing. I was like, yeah, because in the bully fight, when he knocks you off, you like you scream and your butt smokes, like you just landed yeah. in lava. Yeah. So that that's awesome. I kind of wish there was a more more of that. Um, you know, kind of a, a more challenging lethal lava level that was ice and, and cold water because I think uh, they're just just great elements. Um, but I just wanted to, to talk about that just for a brief second. Real quick, before we move on, we have not touched on the room that you go into to get to this level. This is the room in which Lakitu is revealed as the stalker that he is. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I was always hanging out behind you. I always thought that was such a uh, a neat thing, a neat way to conceptualize that yeah. uh, a camera is a physical object that you can control. And like they, they let you know that it's happening when you start the game because uh, Lakitu comes down and he acts like he's doing a sports broadcast of, you know, this this darn interloper who's trying to, you know, beat his boss. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll stay here with the coverage. This is Lakitu Live. <laughs> And then, yeah, when you go into that room, you can, like, see him following you around. And he's like, oh, wait, he's still there. That's what I'm doing. That's such a great way to conceptualize that. I really love that about um, yeah. Miyamoto in general is he finds really, really intuitive ways to ground new concepts. Uh, the room itself is, you know, a challenge. I, I think I like, I, I, again, I'd like to see more of these little things that they added in. Of course, they're they're just like thinking, as we mentioned, on on kind of this timeline and kind of on this fly of just churning out levels and trying to make things interesting as they go along. But I liked how the level or the room itself, you know, if you didn't know, if you're looking at this mirror, the painting is revealed in in the mirror itself because it's something it's a painting that's different from all the other paintings in the room, which actually, you know, if you didn't know already play the game, if you didn't know how the game kind of was functioned, you'd find yourself just you know jumping into rooms as soon as you reach the second level because there's all these random paintings that lead to nowhere uh which is also very interesting so wait, are you talking about um the room where the snowman level is or the room with uh like uh what's it called uh big small mountain uh big small land because the, the no, room with the giant the mirror tiny huge island tiny, that's the one because there's the the room with the big mirror in the middle where you can see Mario and Lakitu following you. That's where you get on the big small island. Uh, but the snowman room is different, isn't it? No, that's, no, 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 no. Big small island is way better. There's two yeah. paintings you can yeah. jump into. Remember? Right, and there's the regular painting in the middle. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I guess since we mentioned it, uh, so the mirror room is snow no snowman's land, and then uh, <laughs> the room that we. <laughs> Sorry. I come. I, you kind of you, you kind of combined the real thing and the pun together. No snowman's yeah. land. <laughs> no snowman's land. So let's just move on. Uh, stage no country 13. for old snowmen. <laughs> yes, uh, I almost said that, and then I was like, "There's no land in there." So I don't know. I don't know if that perfectly works. <laughs> so tiny, huge island. This room's also very unique um, because there is a small painting uh, that you barely fit in. There is a medium painting which you do not even fit in because it doesn't really exist in the same sense as the other levels. And then there's a giant painting with a giant corridor that you have to kind of double jump or tr even triple jump into. And actually that being said, there's actually one little Easter egg we forgot to cover. Um, in wet dry world, uh, you can control the water levels by how high or, or low you jump. So if you jump into the painting 
had a very um, oh, a small jump, that. you can get the water levels very low. If you do a triple jump to the very top of the painting, you can get the water level all the way up. But that's just a very uh, short cool. um, kind of thing with that, how they, they're trying to like think about how can we even use the paintings themselves to to influence the level. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, I, I forgot about that. That's They actually tell you that on a sign. Uh, so yeah. in that little room, they say if you do a high jump, you can start with the water level high. Right. Yeah, that's such so, a cool with, detail. And so like with Tiny Huge Island, they do, um, again, they play around with paintings. They play around with levels. And, and they play, it's actually two levels in one. Um, I think this might be my new favorite Mario 64 level, I think because it's very challenging and it's very novel, it, especially in the third act, you don't get the more, the harder the levels become and we'll talk about them, the more abstract and very, you know, they're not even about the level on how you explore it and how it looks anymore. But this one, they really spent a lot of time thinking about just not only the level itself, but how the level like the tiny level influences the big level, the big level influences the tiny level. Uh, you get things like um, using Mario. I, I think the thing here that they're saying you're, you shouldn't have mastered it or trying to master it is how you control Mario's running um, and how you control his balance while he's just walking or running on the ground. There's three examples of this that come to mind. Uh, the first is the... A uh, small island with the small bridge, or even the big island with the big bridge, you know, it's kind of a challenge just walking that bridge. The small island's bridge, tiny bridge, and of course, the rematch with Koopa the Quick, which you, you know, have to really control Mario to, to beat Koopa the Quick himself. Um, so I think that for me, it was, you know, thinking about how to control Mario, specifically his running and how he walks and moves and balances in this one, in addition to just being a really cool concept that that makes this, I think, now my new favorite Mario 64 level. Yeah, it's interesting, Anthony. Um, you remember last week you were saying that uh, when you think of Mario 64, or maybe it was Ben, or maybe it was both of you, there's kind of this synonymous thought of that desert level where it's like that's the level that pops into your mind of like, that's Mario 64. Um that is how I've felt about this level for years and years and years and years. And it's interesting because I haven't gone back and I don't think I got to this part in when I played it on the DS at all. So, you know, it's been pretty much since close to when Mario 64 came out since I've seen this. And uh, I just have this image in my head of like, yeah, there's this one weird level where like everything's either way too big or way too small. <laughs> and I, it's for me... I think that that weirdness sells the level on its own, personally. Um, I don't actually think it is the most effectively designed in terms of, like, as a platforming level. But as you alluded to, Anthony, one of the things that I love um, is that you are getting bullied around by all these big monsters, and then you're like, all right, well, I'm going to go get big, and then it'll be fine. And it's not because you get big and then the Goombas are actually like more annoying. It's it's like this vibe of like all these these tiny guys pushing you off a cliff and Mario's just going, ugh, ugh. <laughs> and, it, and it's kind of hilarious how unwieldy he is. Um, you're just like, all right, I just need to walk very slowly to this really small platform. And um, so, yeah, I don't, 
I don't know. It's it's I don't I didn't necessarily have all these feelings of like, oh, that was a really tightly designed section. I think it's kind of almost more what I love about this level is how weird and unwieldy it is <laughs> to just navigate and how cumbersome Big Mario feels. Um, yeah, uh, Koopa the Quick Race, I loved in this level, by the way, um, because you when I, when you first start it, you're like, how the hell am I going to beat this guy? He's going so fast. And I don't know if there are other ways to do it, but the way that I did it is I jumped off in the other direction and I killed the Koopa that was down beneath him and I got on the shell and I went around the mountain the other way. Uh, is that how you guys did it? That's oh how I did it. Oh, my God. No, I didn't know I, you I've never seen that. I've never read that. Yeah. I think you, I, you definitely discovered something new. Dude, I just about muscled through that like an no, idiot. Well, no, I, I, uh, I realized that you could stop Koopa the Quick. So it doesn't even matter how fast or slow you ran. Uh, you can slow him mm-hmm. down at the bridge, and then you just zoom uh, to victory. But I had no idea you could oh. go around the island on the shell. That's... That was that's awesome. That's that's. I think you discovered something there. Yeah, that's that's how I did it because wow. he was going so fast. I was like, "How the hell am I gonna beat this wow. guy?" And so yeah, I jumped down and got that other Koopa and went the other way. Um, <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I love you. I'm I love going that the other race way. with him. I think it's. <laughs> Yeah, and I love I love that you guys did it a different way because I was wondering when I did it, I was like, is this all you're supposed to do it or is it just like this other way I found? Well, apparently um, that is how you're supposed love, to do it. It sounds uh, a lot easier. Mm-hmm. So how, well, how did you do it, Ben? You just, never, no, I just, just, I just muscled through. I just like... Ran. I just, just ran. I just ran. Well, I mean, I, I did the long jump, you know, the woo right. long yeah, jump yeah, as yeah. much as I could and just hoped mm-hmm. that I landed okay. <laughs> And it took me like 20 tries. It took a while for me to beat him. But yeah, I just beat him straight up in a race like I did in the first level. Mm, yeah, even with the shell, it must have taken me like eight tries. It's, it's, it's a challenging race. Right. Um, oh, I, and uh, I, I do love how treacherous it is. The, uh, the hundred coins um, on this one was very challenging. And the, the way that I finally completed it was getting all the coins, both in the big and the small island, and then going into the Wiggler's Cave. And there was, like, these few red coins left, and I was just like, okay, gotta jump on this platform and not fucking fall. <laughs> it was really, Wait, really look, scary. But I, um, I think there's 140 coins mm-hmm. in this level. Do you, do you, did you know that the big Goombas could turn into five coins when you do a ground pound on them? No, I didn't know that shit. Well, that we're all learning stuff. No, I was just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm not trying to make fun of it. I, just, um, I was like, You know how? what's messed up? I didn't realize when I was big Mario, I was like jumping on this little Koopa on top to get the blue coin. And then I became small Mario and I'm like, oh my God, I've been murdering Koopa the Quick <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> Uh, what have the I the done? only thing that I I don't like about this, the only thing I don't think is very successful about this level, is I love the way the Wiggler looks. I love the environment. I do not think it's a very good boss fight. Agreed. Because the camera just doesn't cooperate, and all you do is jump on his head. Um, but other than that, I absolutely love this level. Yeah, I agree with that. I but I I mean, I think this is one of the, this is how it felt on the first podcast of being so enthusiastic about the level design. And, you know, I just think it just, you know, at least the enthusiasm alone just proves how, how fun, but like, I think now again, just how fun it is, but combining how, how bigger or smaller the level is Hmm. with uh, the skills we've acquired through this game so far kind of shows 
you know, how kind of classic this level, this level, you know, really, really is and how much it stands out. Uh, Wait, one more note. Do you, do you guys know what the wiggler says the first time you jump on his head? Some, I don't know. He says, you're asking for it, Linguini. He says, you're asking for it, Linguini breath. <laughs> <laughs> I always enjoyed um, when you actually, so like you unlock Wiggler, you unlock the Wiggler fight. Oh, by the way, I actually really liked this level. So I'm, I'm glad we talked about this right after the level that I don't like. Uh, when you unlock his level and he's like, ah, my whole house is flooded. This is terrible. I'm, I'm so mad now. And yeah. you go in and you fight him. Uh, when you actually beat him, he's like, fine, I didn't want the star anyway. Besides, you kind of did me a favor. I can see the stars now. It's nice. Right. He's like relieved. And he's not really a, <laughs> a, 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 a you know, a boss that you kill. Like you don't, I think with the big thwomp in the castle in the sky level, he explodes and he's just, he's trying his best. <laughs> he's like, not even mad at you. He's like, we, we just want like basic <laughs> you know basic rights here and you pop him and he never comes back you know so i it's true actually when you come back in any later star they have built a tower atop his corpse yeah possibly out well, of his corpse out of him that's what i assumed out, out of his corpse very likely they built a tower to a star out of the dead the dead thwomp that is just i mean that is that is just god bless to injury yeah god god rest his soul um, so that so that kind of concludes the second story, the second um, floor of Peach's Castle. So just to recap, we've you know all the levels are kind of situated in either the basement, uh, the first floor, some sort of secret passage, um, the you know regular castle uh, stuff, regular castle stuff, and then. Um, you know the the castle itself is kind of talking how, how I was mentioning before of it's also an ascension, right? You you th this idea of ascending, this idea of um, going to the very top. You know you get to the uh, third floor of Peach's castle, and it is definitely the most dreamlike. You know the the color palette is not. Um, bright uh the even when you're in the basement it's well lit um which is not the case and of course if you don't have the 70 stars um the uh bowser the final bowser boss himself the staircase just kind of goes into infinity um if you haven't um unlocked uh, that part of the castle so far that was such a cool so, trick that they pulled too like that was always so cool when i was a kid that i was just like you can run and run and run and run you turn around and you haven't gone anywhere Oh, I think I I was there for hours because I thought if you run far enough, right. I think this is they're tricking me. This is a trick. I think you know. I think they're... every kid thought that like, no, I can beat this. It's a right. mind game. But but right. No, just no. just go get the stars. To get the stars. Um. So like I was saying in the beginning. If you just get the 70 stars, you don't have to complete TikTok Clock or Rainbow Ride. You can just uh, bypass straight to Bowser, um, which I think is for a specific reason. And we'll get to that um, when we review the final Bowser boss. Um, but uh, there's two levels that are, again, they're smart painting designs in general. I love TikTok Clock so much just because of the facade of the level. 
Um, of course, when you get to Bowser, the third floor, the clock's right in front of you. You kind of have this intuition that you can jump into the face of the clock, um, but you don't have an intuition that if you land on certain times on the clock, it can control how fast the level goes. And that also um, kind of controls on which stars you get at different points in the actual level. Um, so that number one is just amazing. Uh, so Tank Thought Clock itself could be argued as the hardest level in the game. Uh, I had a really hard time collecting stars in general, whether it be the first star or the last star or the hundred star uh, coin star challenge. Um, everything in this game is designed to keep the momentum of Mario going. Uh, you don't have time to kind of casually observe and look around. And even if you do, it's for a specific reason, which is to see where you're going. There are moments where if you jump, you're jumping because you know that the jump is this distance from the next platform and you don't know if you're going to actually make it. Um, I think that being said, it's exactly what I've been saying all along, which is that this is master level Super Mario 64. They're really testing the limits of the player to see if they know the controls. Uh, and at the same time, if they have just an intuition of uh, motion, right? As I was saying, you can make the level completely stop or you can make it go very, very fast, especially if you want um, a really big challenge from the level itself. So I really enjoyed this level, um, but not for the the playful environments that we described in the past, but it's, it was to test myself to see how good I was at the game. So I, I loved I loved this level. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that, in my opinion, this is the most challenging level. I don't know if that's... That could be... T painted by the fact that I wanted to do the 100 coin challenge and I will say this level almost broke me <laughs> this was almost the level where I was like I don't know if I, I want to keep doing this um, because I, I did not remember actually that you could stop time um, I discovered that by accident and then I just kind of put two and two together of like all right the, I, I think the minute hand has to be facing up or the second hand whatever you want to call it but um, yeah I uh, yeah I a lot of what I was I've been doing with most of the levels in this game is I actually would go for the hundred coin challenge first. Now there's some times where you can't really do that, but a lot of uh, most of the levels you can. It can be the first thing you do, um, and in this level, that's what I did, and I was like really struggling with those red coins because I was like this might be an easier way of getting a bunch of coins towards the bottom, but those little washers are rotating and it's super challenging and I was getting mad at it until I realized you could stop time and then I was like oh that's a lot easier um I will say the platforms one interesting note I had is that it uh the platforms themselves like these rotating boxes and a lot of those sort of like timing challenges remind me most of current 3D Mario games of anything else in Mario 64 like this really it, this level seems like they were trying out a lot of things that became mainstays of the series as time went on this idea of these things are going to rotate at this constant interval and you have to jump and anticipate that those are kind of tropes that you see in a lot of Mario games or this spinning platform is only going to be in range for a very brief period of time and you have to time your jump in order to make that I love that the level 
is designed in such a way that you can't just stop time or else there are going to be stars that you can't get to. So you do have to decide, like, how fast do I want this to be? But I did eventually get the 100 coins. I did pull it off. And once I did, since it was, like, the first star I did, I had gotten very comfortable with the level. And there was it was a great feeling of, like, you feel I was going through it so carefully for and then I died 20 times and eventually I got good enough that I could kind of soar through this level and it is this great feeling when it's this really challenging space and you feel confident enough to do a triple jump on top of those first three boxes or whatever and like really like jump around and get through the that bottom part really quickly so I like this level a lot I do like that it's optional um, and that you can get all the stars you need to get to Bowser without it because it is very challenging and I don't think necessarily everybody would want to do that but for somebody like me who really enjoys challenges I enjoyed this level a lot I mean not to be a contrarian again but you're wrong <laughs> no I actually don't I don't care for this level at all. Uh, I had 70 stars by this point I had I had my 70 stars uh, I went into TikTok clock um, and rainbow ride because I wanted to I just wanted to see what they were like, but I, I didn't need to do anything. So unless any stars were really staring me in the face, which they weren't, I, I didn't go out of my way to get them. I just wanted to get a feel for what the what, what it was like to move around in the level, what the challenges of the level were, how the theme of the level felt. And I got to say, um, <clears throat> uh, fuck this clock. Just, <laughs> just, just fuck this clock. Uh, as I have alluded to in the past by which i mean stated outright i'm not that great at controlling mario in this game i find him to be a touch cumbersome and well i'm a touch cumbersome and together who who look out so yeah <laughs> i'm really glad this level was optional uh, it's a fascinating concept and i'm really glad that they explored it a lot more in later mario games and reiterated on it because uh they're actually in later mario games especially galaxy uh, and Super Mario 3D World, which was for the 3DS, uh, there was a lot of stuff like that, a lot of you know, timed rotations, and you had to time your jump very specifically in a 3D space uh, to make you know, a proper landing. Those were some of my favorite things in those games because they'd really refined them. And it's, it's really cool that you can trace the seed of those ideas in almost any Nintendo franchise, but in Mario in particular, you can trace the seed of ideas that are done really well two, three games out back to... Uh, an, an original game that was like just kind of flirting with the idea. I've often heard Nintendo games, especially their main like hardcore franchises like Mario and Zelda and sometimes Star Fox, but you know, really their big mainstay franchises, that each game is a beta test for the next game. And I think uh, Mario 64 in particular holds true to that. But like any mainstay Mario game, like most mainstay Mario games, I know the jury's kind of out on Sunshine. We'll see how that unfolds, but they're almost always fantastic games in their own right, even if they're experimenting so that they can do better uh, next time with with elements like, you know, rotating blocks and, and all that stuff. So Clock was great. I hate it. I want it to die. Good job. <laughs> so that being said, I, I want to go back just to to wrap up this level of the quote that I found from Miyamoto himself on just his idea of creating his philosophy of creating a Mario game in general is just this idea of falling from a great height. You know, it, it, that's what he chose to give 
in the specific NPR uh, interview. And then he goes on to just kind of reiterate that, you know, and I think, and I, I haven't played all of Sunshine. I haven't played all of Galaxy. I played all of um, uh, Odyssey. And I think this level for me just represents everything about that, of falling from a great height. Because every time you're pushed or don't jump properly or don't time it properly, it's not only you're falling from a great height, like any of the games that I mentioned, or even previous Mario games, this one feels, you know, you get this, 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 this tinge of vertigo just by falling from it and looking down. And the more you get up, the more the platforms become difficult, everything's rotating, and, you know, you don't really get the opportunity to start over in the sense of, like, you, you fall, you, you just land on the platform, and you can go from there. Sometimes it happens in this level, but, you know, a lot of times you just fall straight down, and you have to complete this really um, hard challenge. And I think, you know, for me, that's thinking about what he kind of wants the uh, player to fill. This, this level does it, like, really well, but it sucks. It is... It's, it's fun, but not fun. So that brings us to our final level of the game. Um, not discluding uh, the wing-tipped level. Um, so maybe we'll just cover that briefly before Rainbow Ride. Uh, it did, if you played it, um, Rainbow Ride... Sorry the wing-tipped secret level, that I'm going to call it, it's just a secret level, you're basically, uh, again, supposed to have mastered the wing cap. And it's basically you as Mario in the wing cap flying around a series of clouds and platforms, collecting eight red coins. Um, and so it's testing two things, your control of Mario as, as a wing-tip Mario and how well you aim uh, the cannon into space. So for me... It's good. I mean, I love being wing-type Mario because I love flying around as Mario. I've already started Sunshine and already, like, you're just hovering as opposed to flying. And I think every game before that, even when Mario had a cape, you know, he wasn't, like, flying into 3D space. So I just the love the idea of, of flying Mario. It's it's my favorite cap. I, I, even in, in a game designed to be caps, which is Odyssey, I still love wing-type Mario. It's my favorite cap. I love it. <laughs> I really, I, I always found myself wishing all throughout 64 that they had found a way to make the cape work because that is my favorite Mario power-up of all time. Except for in Odyssey like when you have a Tyrannosaurus. I a lot, for sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it's a, yeah, I, I, I agree, Anthony. I'm I'm glad that they put this here. I felt like the, the, the caps got a little neglected in the second half of the game. Mm. Now... Luckily, they're neglected in favor of doing something else, other interesting things. So it's not uh, necessarily. It's not like I. It's a gr like I miss them that greatly. However, um, I think that in the first maybe eight or nine levels, there's a lot of emphasis on, you know, exploration and these interconnected spaces and uh, the caps being something that can facilitate the exploration of those spaces. And in the last uh, five levels, there's, I think, a little bit more of an emphasis on challenge, and they expect you to more tightly navigate these spaces, which is interesting and, and cool in its own right. But I, I like that they did find one more space. I'm like, you know what? We're going to give you a couple cannons. There's going to be some 
some poles in the sky that you can wrap around. And I love when you're flying and you hit that pole. There's <laughs> something so satisfying about the way that Mario swings around it and the little yeah. sound he makes. Whoa! <laughs> um, I, I love, I love that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not too challenging. I think it's, it served the exact purpose it needed to, which let's just fly around for a little bit. Just fucking fly around. And it's fun to do. Let's do it. Yeah. Which you, in a sense, do, but you hover in Rainbow Ride. It's not a fly, but um, this one is challenging. It's not as challenging as TikTok Clock, but it's challenging for a different reason because you cannot, in, in most cases, leave the magic carpet. So this in this level, Mario starts on a magic carpet that has a rainbow uh, track leading up to different castles or a castle or a, a pirate ship in the sky which is really cool it's it's way more abstract than the other levels that we've seen there's just platforms sporadically throughout the um level itself if you even do like a personal view of the level you know you just see these hanging platforms and you kind of just even if you've played the game so many times you're just like wondering like well how do i get there and what do they do and how do i get these stars so um you know, there's the 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 carpet ends, and then you're expected to go to one platform and go to one explore one area or another area of the level, or you can keep going on the carpet and keep uh, uh, getting higher and higher and higher um, to different stars. I really like this this level as well, um, just because the platforms are so tiny. They're just so so tiny. Um, so you're dodging platforms and obstacles in space as the platform that you're on is moving forward. Um, and I think that provides enough of a challenge um, in, in cooperation with the fun that you have just being on this constant car carpet ride to make the level uh, enjoyable. So I, I like Rainbow Ride. I actually yeah, um... uh, I enjoyed it a lot, too. I thought it was a really good um, I thought it was a really good moment of plot where Mario uh, says, do you trust me? And Peach is starting to recognize him. And she says, you know, yes. And then, and then, you know, they, they fly off all around the world and they sing that really lovely song. Um, yeah. And then like, I thought it was, it was a really nice touch. They wind up in China watching fireworks and uh, Peach is like, well, it's too bad that uh, Luigi couldn't be here. Nah, he hates fireworks. And that's how she catches him. I love that. Anyway. Uh, and then and then you go on to fight Jafar and um, wait, where am I? What are we doing? Yeah, you're talking. You're, you know, I was wondering how long that that bit was gonna go. On. Oh, it could have gone on for ten more minutes to see. if I wanted it to. But, nah, come on. All right. That was that was the sense I was getting. <laughs> I, know. I was surprised that they uh, put Will Smith in there as well. Mm, yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. So, what did you all think of the level? There are some really great platforming sections in this level. I like the parts where, uh, when you get on the second, um, the second carpet, and you are uh, expected to kind of jump over these small little platforms. I like when you get to those spinning platforms and the little red coin challenge where there's some wall jumping you have to do to get those blue coins. That's that's a nice coin challenge that's thrown in there. Um, I enjoyed doing the 100 coins in this level. I didn't. I didn't think it was as nearly as hard as TikTok Clock, at least personally. Um, I thought it was pretty manageable, uh, and I enjoy um, uh, the the triangles. I love that that star where you you jump on the button and the those triangles spin out, and you have to do this quick platforming. 
And, and I think this level overall does a pretty good job of it's not way overly punishing in a lot of spots. Like if you fall, a lot of times there actually is something there to catch you. Now you might have to wait for the, 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 the carpet to come back. But um, oftentimes I, I did not find I was being sent back to the very beginning. However, one thing I do not like about this level is that every single time you start this level, you start at that one same uh, carpet. And I feel like one thing that Mario 64 does so well is as you get better at it, you can so much more confidently navigate the spaces. But at the beginning of the Rainbow Ride, every single time I hop into any star, I have to spend 30 seconds on that first stupid carpet just waiting to get to the actual level and then jumping over this stupid fire. I, I understand that they want to have the, the carpet at the very beginning as an introduction to this is one of the main impetus um, of, of this level. However, I think that they could have also just put a cannon right there that you unlock after the first star, and then you can just shoot off of that cannon to get to the main part of the level. So that's my only criticism of it is that I got a little bored of riding that carpet over and over again. Uh, that's a very fair criticism. I didn't, like I said, this and TikTok clock were kind of a victory lap for me. I already had my 70 stars and I wasn't really looking to challenge myself anymore. But I was looking forward to Rainbow Ride in particular because uh, it's a it's a fun level in Smash Brothers. And it was actually kind of nice not having to like worry about like how am I going to get stars, what I'm going to do here, what I'm going to do there. I have to worry about lives. I don't want to start over. So it was just kind of like, it was just kind of fun, pure platforming for me. Just like, can I get over there? I bet I can. Nope, I died. I'm going to try again. <laughs> that was actually really fun. And I kind of wish there were more levels like that where it was just like, no threat, no challenge. Here's just a fun open space you can be in. Like sort of, sort of like how the castle is itself. There's some platforming you can do, a little bit of platforming you can do in the castle itself. I kind of wish there was more stuff like that where it was just like, like no goal. Just here's a fun puzzle if you want kind of thing. And that's kind of how I treated Rainbow Road. I really liked it for that. I'm not sure I would have liked it if I had to get the stars because those actually seemed kind of tricky. I watched a walkthrough of that to be like, well, what am I missing? It didn't seem as much fun as just dicking around. No, I, I agree with Luke. If you're trying to get the stars, uh, there's some stars that I agree with you that, you know, if I think especially for some reason I had trouble on the the castle uh, and the sky star where I just mm. couldn't get over the fire. I don't I know it's not that challenging, but it kept getting me. I kept messing my my carpet on its way back up. And I was just like, you have to kill yourself in order to or exit the course and start all over again to get the star. And I was like, fuck, you know, and it takes, you know, 10 or five, 10 minutes to get all the way up there again. Um, so that wasn't, you know, it's it's just a it's a wait. It's patience and, and to get through Rainbow Ride. You just have to suck it up, be patient, and collect your stars. Yes. Um, and that's the challenge and Literally the frustration. One of my exact one of my exact notes is bullet point, biggest challenge is patience. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's 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 how I feel about this level. Yeah, it's a test of patience, but it's also a test of the a lot of the skills that I, I mentioned, especially the as you said, the the wall jump. Um, to especially to get your hundred mm -hmm. hundred uh, coin star, you need to have have literally mastered the wall jump 
and the kick the wall kick yeah, jump yeah. to mm-hmm. get those coins so um i loved the eight coin it's a very jump. tight time window it's yeah difficult yeah i, oh, I like that the kick jump mm-hmm. yeah or on the right. jump kick i never right. actually yeah. fully 100 percent got the hang of that the wall jump i got down but yeah the wall kick not so much mm-hmm. basically it's uh it's a matter of momentum and also launching yourself because you can jump higher if you uh, kind of press up on the analog control to get to the um, top of that. And that is a 3D puzzle too, as I mentioned with um, the pre- or one of the previous levels of, you know, they made the maze itself um, in this almost 2D space, this 2D, 3D space. So it felt fun. It felt something that was kind of challenging. I had to use the kick jump to get those eight red coins. So I think I agree with you that that is one of the highlights of Rainbow Ride. Really, all of the spots at the end of the Rainbow Ride, there is one Rainbow Ride that I really like, which is, I guess it's on the way to the castle. The No, no, it's the one on the way to the boat, actually. Mm. It's when you go the other direction and then you're going up to the boat. That one I like. I think it's effective because you have to use the platform in the middle and there there's a legitimate timing challenge to get all the way to that boat. That's the only one of those that I like, though. All of the other ones are either tedious or, like you said, with the one getting... I feel like that fire is placed just so rudely on on the one going up to the top of that. It is. It's... Yeah. yeah. All right. There was just some asshole designer who was like, I'm going to waste so many people's time with this. I am going to make (laughs) this fire improperly polite. Yeah, I wish there was like a statistic on how many person hours have been destroyed by that one fire. That would be <laughs> oh, that it's would good. Be that would be a but like statistic. I said, it's not. So if there, those seems to be the closing comments of Rainbow Ride, and uh, so this is the last level. The last level is I'm gonna just call him. I've called Bowser other other names before, but we're just gonna call him Final Bowser. So. Uh, <laughs> If you were someone like Ben, you didn't necessarily have to go through the the pain of completely TikTok clock and rainbow ride. You can just get those 70 stars and make your way up to final Bowser. Uh, so the final Bowser level is designed a lot like the previous two uh, Bowser levels in which you are jumping um, over a series of platforms and you're kind of ascending in this more... Uh, narrow level all the way up to Bowser himself as things are moving and, and shrinking and, and whatnot. Um, I thought this is was the easiest Bowser level, personally. Of course, I, as I mentioned several times, my lens is very skewed. I've played this so many times. The, I think the reason is twofold. Uh, number one, uh, the level itself is kind of perfectly parallel. So if you fall uh you're gonna be caught by what's underneath you so it's not you're not really gonna die you don't feel the tension as you do in the two other uh bowser levels which if you know of course in the second one if you fall there's a very high chance you're going to be burnt and that's going to cause a a series of of you know unfortunate events of unfortunate events in the first one you know there's a lot of chances to just fall straight down um, which is, you know, kind of nerve-wracking in itself, especially if you don't know how to play the game because you're, you're just trying to learn the game, and that's actually a, a, a very challenging level for someone that doesn't know Mario True. at first. Especially with just eight um, stars. Right. And so this one, I actually got the eight red coins on my first try, 
and I, I didn't really know where they were. I didn't remember where they were. So I got, like I went all the way to the Bowser tube. Then I went all the way back down again through the whole level. And then I went all the way up again. Uh, so for me, I was just like, ah, this is kind of a disappointment. After spending so much time, I spent like my entire night getting the stars from Rainbow Ride and TikTok Clock. Like I was just pissed off. And this was kind of like a breather when I didn't want it to be a breather. And then, of course, you get to Bowser himself, which, you know, actually like. I like the final Bowser. He's... He is challenging. I like how he breathes uh, this this cascade of fire and what it gives you like one or two coins if you're already badly damaged. And his his platform turns into a, a tiny star-shaped platform. And you're trying to swing him into these uh, bombs in space. And, and I, I like that. I liked, I liked the Bowser boss himself, but the, the level, not so much. Yeah, I... Um... I th- I don't know. I thought the you know I have in my notes that the level is a nice cap on the platforming challenges, but I have to admit that when I try to think back to like what it actually was, there's not a lot of spots that really jump out at me. Uh, one thing I think about is that there's those kind of seesaw platforms that are shaped like a long S or something like that. Um, that part is kind of interesting, but I think that they don't maybe get as much out of it as they could. And, and I do feel like at the end of it, even though I don't think it was poorly designed or anything, I do think it is by far the least memorable of, of these three sort of, you know, final levels of the different sections of the castle. Um, I didn't think it was meaningfully less challenging than the second one. I Honestly, I didn't find the second or third one all that challenging. But I did, there are many more sections of the second one that jump out in my head as like, oh, I, I like that part. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know if it is a great cap. I do think it was the right call to not make it as hard as TikTok clock or rainbow road. I don't, I don't think that that should be the barrier for completing this game because th- those levels get really hard. Um, so I think it's appropriate that it's less challenging, but I think they could have done something a little more interesting with it. And I also, honestly, I, I don't love the last Bowser fight. I, I, feel like it's not really meaningfully different from the second ones in ways that are actually interesting so much as annoying. I think when the final platform becomes a star, I'm just like, <sighs> okay. <laughs> We're doing <laughs> That's this That's how I felt when that, ha- I forgot that that happened. <laughs> um, and, but, however, I will say, even though I didn't find it particularly interesting, it was very exciting when I finally hit hit, hit the bomb with him. Uh, because I I failed like five times, I kept missing, uh, and and then I finally managed to get it and get the final star, um, and then I like that the game ends by saying thank you so much for playing my game and showing me cake. <laughs> so, having been not as good at this game as you guys, I actually really enjoyed this final Bowser, and I agree with you guys that it was not nearly as memorable or as challenging as I think the second. Bowser uh, platforming level lead up is the best, both in terms of like visual memorability and uh, challenge. None of them are all that hard, but I mean, they're supposed to just kind of be like, uh, remember, this is a platformer before you actually fight the boss. And honestly, I, I thought having only gotten 70 stars, the challenge of the of the final Bowser platforming level was actually really, really on par with what the game had asked of you up till then. It was, it was a demonstration of, yes, I have learned how to play the game well enough to fight the final boss, and I thought that was 
apt and fun and rewarding and uh i don't know i thought it was really really well designed uh it really makes it seem and it's probably true that uh tiktok clock and rainbow ride were both just like the play testers coming back to the dev team being like no it's too easy it's too easy at the end we're getting bored and then the dev team was like all right all right we'll cook something up for you uh, and I, I, I've always liked Final Bowser Fight. Uh, that is one of the things that, as a kid, I got to experience because I had some friends who were stuck on Final Bowser. So we would go over and take turns, you know, life for life, swapping the controller, trying to beat the Final Bowser platforming level, trying to beat Final Bowser. So I, I missed all the levels up to Final Bowser, but I played Final Bowser. So it was really nice. That was actually a really nice nostalgia kick to end off this game for me. And I love how, you know, he puts on the 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 wing cap and he flies out of the castle and then peach is like well that was an ordeal now how about <laughs> that cake well that, that's like it's just classic mario they're all so cool calm and collected yeah. when any traumatic like life-altering situation happens it's like well you know that's right let's eat cake let's just chill out well, mario you know? deserves something special cake it's also very 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 gendered Yes, I will say though I like how much how how businessly Peach sounds yeah. because in in subsequent games she has this very like whimsical like princessy voice mm. and this one she's like hello Mario it's <laughs> very right. like I, it's like I I feel like you should be wearing like a pantsuit right like, yeah. I don't I'm, this dress feels would, like out of I'm place glad you come to the meeting today. we have things to discuss exactly. First of all, we got some cake. <laughs> we're going to eat some cake. I just want to put that out there. I want to be up front with you. There's cake on the table. <laughs> Even before the cake, though, since I did and Luke did get the 120 stars, Oh, yeah. By the way, what, what is the secret uh, ending when you get all 120 stars? You, well, you get, to, um, you get to meet Yoshi. You get to talk to Yoshi. Yeah. So Yoshi oh, is on the... It, so your, your ending screen looked different because as the game's ending... Uh, Yoshi's in the background at the very top of the castle, just hanging out. You're like, even I've seen him before, but I'm just like, oh my god, yes, I have you. I I get to see Yoshi, and then um, you you meet Yoshi. You kind of teleporter. I, I don't even know how he gets up there really, and uh, he's like, on behalf of me and the developers, we're going to give you a prize, which isn't great. It's a uh, hundred Yoshi, ninety nine free lives. Yoshi bounces off into oh, yeah. nothingness. And then you get a wing cap, yes, <laughs> uh, and you get to fly around the courtyard, which is fun, which is good. That's you can the, fly actually, around the castle. Yeah, that that's good. That's the best reward is that you can fly around that main area. Right. The ninety nine lives. It's like, dude, I, I don't need these anymore. Right. I that's just, right. like I just beat all your. That's like you know, congratulations on becoming a millionaire. Here's a fiber. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know. So it's like a fifteen dollar check from grandma in the mail. Like, oh, what am I gonna do with this shit? But it, it was rewarding to to um to beat the game with hundred twenty stars. It's it's you know I can say that I've done with the game. I probably won't play the game ever again. Probably just because because of that. It takes a lot so. of time. It takes a lot of time, but it it was worth the getting the hundred twenty stars. That's I, actually I, I, I don't know. It's it's. It's sort of a cool throwback to to remember where there was a time when just beating a game, like ju just hundred percenting a game, was the reward. Right. 
Yeah, I I, th- I thought I will say that I almost gave up on the 120 a couple of times with a couple of those hundred coin challenges because that was the real time sink for me. I don't know, like TikTok clock getting the regular stars was probably like I don't know 45 minutes to an hour. Getting that hundred coins was like another hour and a half <laughs> or two hours. I don't even know, but it. It was a huge sink of extra time to do it. However, I still had fun doing it, and I do think that this was this is a fun game to hundred percent. Um, whereas I I am very doubtful that I will hundred percent sunshine if my memory is any indication of how difficult it is to get those hundred and twenty shines. Um, so no promises about me hundred percenting the other two, but I did do this one. Well, aren't you something? I think as long as you're trying to 100%, I want to compete with that. So we'll just see the next ne- this next week or I guess we'll see. with we'll this see. podcast we'll in, a, in a couple days on uh, how that turns out. Anyway, uh, let's just go into con- concluding thoughts on the game. Concluding thoughts on Super Mario 64. So um, my thoughts, uh, since, I mean... Ben, you told us it was a emulation. I guess I can't comment if it's better or worse in terms of from the original game because it kind of it is the original game. But I thought everything held up um, personally. Just you know, after, Super Mario sixty four was one of my first video games that I've ever got. Since then, I've played through countless games. You know, for a bunch of different devices and platforms, and I think the central idea i think the one that luke tried to hammer in through the the, the this episode in the last two episodes of this being you know this giant playground uh in this 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 place of exploration and you know most stars and most challenges were meant to be fun they're meant to be things that that are uh mimicking kind of a a, a childhood playground they're mimicking a kind of an imaginative experience that you would have with that, those playgrounds like things becoming sandcastles you know the monkey bars being in a, a pyramid you know this idea of of um you know really discovering um the the environment and i think on top of that i i just the more i thought about it i i just liked the fact that most levels were designed of being like the, the king of the hill, applying skills and also exploring the environment. Um, you know, the the meta kind of ideas behind it just really worked for me. Um, in addition to, I, I just appreciated just using this time to think about the soundscape of Mario and the thought process behind it. Um, so I think the elements, all the elements together, um, just just made it made a satisfying play. Uh, for the most part of Super Mario 64. So I, I, I enjoyed um, playing this game overall. Yeah, um, I I do have some quibbles with, with the controls sometimes. I do think Mario's, the way he turns around is a little strange, and I do think that the camera can be a little cumbersome. However, I think that by and large, the vast majority of what's here holds up really quite well. Just in term, just from a raw mechanical perspective, in my opinion, I think it holds up very, very, very well. And you know, I've talked about this over the last few weeks. Uh, this week, we've touched a lot more on a lot of the more kind of direct platforming, challenging levels, and I love that this game finds a way to 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 rope that into and say, "Hey, we can do this also." Um, 
But I do think that my big takeaway is that I think that we look at it as like, oh, well, this is obviously what Mario became. You know, we had Mario World and then we made this uh, Mario 64 and that was the evolution of Mario. And it's really easy to forget that it really didn't need to go that way. It didn't need to be this three-dimensional, like, exploration-based collectathon. It really could have been... The entire game could have been what those Bowser levels are. That is absolutely what Mario 64 could have been. Is like this thing you enjoyed in 2D that's, you know, this linear platform challenge. We're going to give you a bunch of linear platform challenges in 3D now. And that would have been an excellent video game. And in some ways, I think we'll talk about this later in this series, they have since explored that version of 3D Mario. But this version, this exploration-based, like, how can I play around in this environment and use all of these different tools to my advantage to master it in different and interesting ways while having these interesting problems and challenges thrown at me is such a radical departure of what you would naturally expect them to do in 3D. And it's super foundational in terms of not only the platforming genre, uh, but so many other genres of, like, what does it mean to have a satisfying space where the space means something, whether it's an action genre or a platforming genre or really anything um, that is kind of exploration-oriented. I even think of things like Dark Souls, of like, how do you make that space mean something? Uh, and I think that... Well, Mario Dark Souls 64... is the Mario of Dark Souls. <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> um, anyway, but th those are my closing thoughts, is that it really didn't need to go this way, and it's super fascinating the decisions that they made uh, and I think that it really, really, really worked out, and it still holds up incredibly well, in my view. I 100% agree. Uh, this game, definitely, I have my issues with it, in that I am only one of the three of us who didn't get all 120 stars, and I am really happy that I didn't. But that said, I mean, I cannot think of another game that is as old or as foundational as you know, as much of a, a first pass, a first attempt, that is even close to as playable as Mario 64 is 25 years later. I mean, original, like even even other incredibly foundational classic games like, say, Jet Force Gemini, or like third-person shooters, or Goldeneye, not Half-Life. Half-Life. I'm, Half I'm even going to throw it out there, Final <laughs> Fantasy. Yeah, seven, I mean, even Final Fantasy eight, seven, no. absolutely. It, they it, don't, it, hold up as well as you would expect them to they're definitely still playable but my god do they have their flaws and mario has its flaws too but i'll tell you this i have personally tried to go back and play jet force gemini and try to play goldeneye and try to play final fantasy 7 that's actually oddly enough all three that you brought up and i couldn't get through any of them because the iterative process of game design has gone so far beyond what they did foundationally that they almost don't, they almost feel like jokes. They almost feel like, you know, wouldn't it be funny if games had to control this way? <laughs> Mario doesn't right. feel that way. It definitely feels dated, but it's still so playable that, like, it's still enjoyable to beat the game. And that on its own, regardless of anything else about the franchise or anything else about the game, really, um, that, that really kind of speaks volumes. No, I, I agree with that. I I think, you know, 
like we're saying, like the things that we don't like about Mario 64, that they're just minor issues or technicalities or things we could have thought of better. But well, really things that you, you just have to get used to again. Right. And there, I think uh, as another closing thought, they're trying to think of Mario 64 as something that they had to keep simple, you know, because it was the first game of its kind. Um, in doing so, they thought about how to make it playable, make it fun, you know, with the things that they had, you know, so they stuck to, you know, essentially this, this format where, you know, Mario's using just, just a few basic controls. That's all we did through, through beating this whole game, you know, and, and they made it work. Cause they're like, well, what if, um, you know, something would go wrong in, in all of these different situations, you know, and they're just, they scaled it down to kind of the basics of, of, you know, these 3D cubes in space and a few simple controls. Um, and that was successful. And they placed it in a world that we already knew. I didn't know it when I was a kid, but, you know, people knew, have known the Super Mario world for, for years, as I kind of established in the beginning of the, the podcast. But they brought, you know, the 3D element, which was huge into that world. Um, the thing... I don't even know if this will make it in the podcast that I forgot to mention. I think the biggest disappointment for me for Super Mario 64, and I have no idea if it, this has something to do with programming or, or how it works, is that the last act of the game, there's no new songs introduced. And I kind of I kind of was like, that this kind of sucks because it I, I didn't talk about it during this podcast because there was nothing new to talk about. We already went over the whole soundtrack and they just, you know, reused the songs for uh, each level, which I kind of found disappointing, but that I, for me, that's that's the thing that I was disappointed to not hear more of Kondo's music and talk about it uh, was disappointing. Um, otherwise, I, I, I stick to kind of what you all said and kind of what I said about the game. I wonder if that was a matter of uh, yeah. space on the cartridge rather than uh, intention or like maybe even running out of time. That would surprise me, Ben. The only reason being that they can reuse the MIDI sound effects, so they could still do additional compositions using the same sounds. Yeah, I guess that's true. I would think. I guess it depends on how live those those recordings go. I don't know. We're gonna just say things we don't know if, if they're true or not if we keep. Yeah, going. that's right. It's but, speculating. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Anthony. <laughs> Have a two-hour podcast uh, I, into a ten-hour podcast. Want to actually. <laughs> it, but yeah, I did want to mention that actually. It, it probably won't get in, but. The the only criticism I had of that last water level with those little those little spider striders on the water was that I thought that the song works so well for Jolly Roger Bay, but in that level it feels a little it doesn't feel like it matches the environment as well. It, it's a little too ambient where that that level feels kind of mechanical to me, and so so yeah, that's I, d- I do agree with that as a criticism. I wish there were a, a few more tunes. <laughs> uh, that concludes our uh, review. For Super Mario 64, uh, next week and for the coming weeks, we'll be reviewing Super Mario Sunshine, originally for the GameCube. So we're really excited to tackle uh, that, uh, bring you more history, bring you more insights into that game and into the ideas we have about Nintendo and the Mario franchise in general. So thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next week. This podcast was edited and mixed by Brianna Holgren. Music was composed by Luke Randazzo. And of course,
course, hosted by myself, Anthony Cortez, Luke Rendazzo, and Lance Gambos. If you liked this podcast and would like to continue listening, you can find us on Spotify, 